and welcome to the Onside Kick Family Hour. I'm your host, Ryan Van Biver. With me, as always, Stephen White. Stephen, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. How about you? I am not not doing too bad myself. Um, uh, I, I got to you know what? I, I just, I can't even, I don't even have a fancy segue for it because I'm not sure what else there really is to say. But holy shit. I checked Twitter last night during the games, and Blake Bortles, what the hell is going on there? Besides, I mean, he sucks. He just, he's playing exactly how he's been playing the last couple of years. Uh, I, I think people just finally decided to stop looking at him, hopefully thinking that, oh, this will be the year that he turns it around. Yeah. And, and you know, makes good on all this potential. And they started taking for taking him for what he is. And so, you know, he misses the wide open. I think it was uh Robinson. Alan Robinson was wide open and I mean I could have made that throw. I promise you I could have. <laughs> I really could have. I might not have made another throw that day, but I could have made that particular pass. I'm pretty sure of it. I mean it wasn't even close. And 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 it just, you know, it gets to the point where you look out there and you can see that he doesn't have any confidence in himself. Yeah. And if he doesn't have any confidence in himself, how can the guys around him have any confidence in him yeah. or play, you know, with any kind of confidence themselves? It's just, you know, the worst thing in the world is when you have to roll a quarterback out there who gives you almost no chance to win a game. Oh. I mean, it's just it, it's it's ridiculous. And so, um, I mean, I, <laughs> look, when your head coach is talking about benching you for Chad Henney, <laughs> Chad, I'm just going to say that you are hot garbage. I mean, and like his players, just like, it's not even just so that like, there's not even like they don't have confidence in him. Like they're like, you know, semi openly campaigning against him, right? You saw the Allen Robinson highlight from practice this week that made the rounds on Twitter where he goes, uh, where Bortles throw it. He's like, motherfucker, throw it in bounds. <laughs> right. But look, the thing about that is, that happens all the time. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, look, if you play with a quarterback that's not that good, I played with Trent Dilford in Tampa. <laughs> and listen, I promise you, there were probably, uh, you know, wide receivers MFing him every single day. But they, they do it kind of under their breath. Yeah. You know, the guy happened to be, he happened to be caught on like a hot mic. It wasn't really a hot mic. It was, you know, somebody just happened to be recording it right there so they could pick up what he said. <laughs> I highly doubt Blake Borders actually would have heard that had it not been, you know, gone viral, basically. I'm sure he's heard it now. <laughs> but, you know, I, I don't think that Alan Robinson was meaning for him to say that. It's just kind of like you muttering under your breath about your manager, you know, if you work. If you have a desk job or something, you kind of just mutter under yeah. your breath at, at your manager, motherfucker, you know, this asshole, <laughs> doesn't give me my new stapler, I don't know, you know, might be some, some problems. But you don't really mean your man, for your manager to hear you MFing them, you know. So uh, I think that was kind of blown up out of proportion a little bit. But, but the fact that they feel that way about him and they're just kind of openly disgusted now. Yeah. Yeah, you, you can't roll that guy out there anymore. You, you can't keep putting him out there on the field because sooner or later somebody's going to whoop his ass. They're going to get fed up. 
Oh, they're yeah. going to be like, man, to hell with this shit. Yeah. Because you're wasting the talent of all the other guys that you've assembled on that team for one guy. Yeah. You just can't do that. <laughs> it's, I'm not like, I, I, again, not to make too much of the crap that happens on social media, but I, I did think it was kind of funny this week, too, because our Jaguars blog, Big Cat Country, had posted something like, you know, some blog posts about five off, five guys who'd be better than Blake Bortles. And uh, it got liked by Jalen Rams. <laughs> it got liked by who? Jalen Ramsey. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that kid right there is something else, man, I think. I love that guy, <laughs> but that's, man. But that's, but that's, I mean, listen. <laughs> Look, people always think it's going to be the wide receivers or somebody anyway, right? Yeah. This is a defense. I can promise this. You're the defense, and you fighting your ass off, and you hold the team to, like, 17 points, and then your quarterback throws three interceptions, and you lose. Yeah. Look, you know, you remember that game I brought up not too long ago. Yeah. I'm just telling you, it's the defensive guys to be one to whoop the quarterback's ass when he's terrible like that. Yeah. So I promise you, look, Jalen uh, Jalen. Uh, isn't the only guy on that defense that's looking at, at, at Blake Borders with side eyes. I promise you that. Oh, yeah. It's sooner later, like I said, people going to get tired. Look, you're, only, you're not promised much time in the NFL. You know, like I said, it stands for not for long. Yeah. So, you know, you can't be giving away years because your quarterback sucks, even though the rest of the team is maybe a playoff caliber team. I mean, you just can't do it. Uh-uh. Uh, and, and that's how you end up Talking about having Chad Henney as your starting quarterback. <laughs> well, that and the fact that they're blackballing Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. You know, those two things put together. Yeah. Now, last night's, like, I, like last night's games, I mean, I, you know, I, I tried to watch a little bit of all of them, at least the, the beginning part of them. But, uh, like, other than, other than the Bucks, who obviously have, you know, their quarterback situation sorted out, it's just like you know the the Ravens with Ryan Mallon, even Tyrod Taylor. I like Tyrod Taylor. I think he's been a fine, court, a, a good, good enough quarterback over the years. But like he had a bad night last night. Bortles, obviously. Ryan Mallet was just fucking hot garbage too. Surprise, surprise. And I mean, looked every bit as bad as Bortles did. And like it just like kills me. It's like all these teams would be much better off with Colin Kaepernick. But uh, you know. I mean, I listen. Think, I think we've made that it? point pretty well over the last week or so here. So, right. I, look, you know, I, it was interesting when when the, uh, my cap piece came out. Of course, I was waiting <clears throat> for the deluge of hate coming my way. Right, I'm, yeah. I'm waiting for everybody to kind of challenge the stuff in the piece, but it never happened. Like I got a whole lot of trolls who talked about everything but how he played. Yeah. They talked about, you know, he, the, the, the socks and the, the Castro shirt and all. You know, they, they talked about all of this stuff, but not a single person talked about how he played on the field. Yeah. And so, you know, I feel uh, good about that because, again, I just want people to know that y'all don't have to put up with this shit. If you're a Baltimore Ravens <laughs> fan, you should be demanding Colin Kaepernick be on your team. Damn it. It, because if your only hang-up is you think he can't play, you're wrong. Yeah. You've lied to you this whole offseason. This guy is much fucking better than Ryan Matter. Yeah. And if you thought 
like I like I said on Twitter last night, some people scoffed at me when I said Colin Kaepernick was better than 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 uh, Blake Bortles. This offseason, you know, they always challenge, well, who's he better than? And if you bring Blake Borders into it before the preseason starts, some of these people really thought that Blake Borders was better than, oh, yeah. better than Colin Kaepernick. So now my thing is, do you really think that Chad fucking Henny is better than Colin Kaepernick too? Because if you do, something is wrong with you. Okay? So, you know, look, if, if you're a Jets fan or, or even like a Browns fan or uh, you know, Jaguars fan, you should be fucking livid that your team is not willing to sign Colin Kaepernick and get better. Yeah. And even some of these teams like the Cowboys, who have a decent starter, but their, you know, backups or boo-boo ought to be, their fans ought to be pissed off too. Yeah. Because, look, even if you somehow believe that bullshit about you having to play Kaepernick in a quote-unquote you know, specialized kind of offense. Well, any offense that fits Dak Prescott fits Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. Believe that. So, you know, it, it's it's people around here that that have decent mm-hmm. starters but, but terrible backups that don't realize that their team would be helped with Colin Kaepernick too. Yeah. And they don't even really care, you know, about the flag protest, they just been lying to this whole offseason and told that he's not good. Yeah. Right? And so if they know he's good, if they, you know, if they happen to actually read what I wrote with an open mind and realize that he's not good, a lot of these fans will be pissed off yeah. if their team did mm-hmm. not pursue them. Especially if one of these teams get in a playoff race and lose a quarterback and all of a sudden they got to roll out there. Uh, what's the kid from Boise State? Kellen <laughs> Moore. Uh, Kellen Moore. <laughs> Kellen, man, drafts Twitter fucking hates Kellen Moore. It's so funny to me. <laughs> right? And he's sticking in Dallas right now as their primary backup quarterback. Yeah. And look, I like that Prescott a lot, but he could easily be out for a couple weeks, you know, just dinged up here and there. And you're going to roll out. You know, Kevin freaking more. <laughs> a first you know, team that wants fan, to win a Super Bowl. Right. If you're a Cowboys fan and you don't care about their flag, you know, you haven't, you know, co-opted Colin Kaepernick's protest against police brutality in order to turn it into, you know, him being against the military or something. If you're not one of those people, then you ought to be pissed off that the yeah. Cowboys didn't even try to sign Colin Kaepernick. You really should. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, and, and interesting, love, Jerry Jones has been one of the, you know, owners, which is sort of, there's, I've noticed a few more coaches, coaches especially, general managers too, I guess, um, lately have kind of come out and, and said that they were against that, you know. Like, it, it's interesting, the timing on it. But, like, Jones was one of the first ones that kind of came out and said that he was against players, you know, kneeling or making a statement during the national anthem. But now you've had John Lynch and Sean McVay and with the Rams and uh, John Lynch, the GM in San Francisco. Uh, shit, I feel like somebody else has said it recently too. But still, Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson. Uh, obviously, the Ravens owner a few weeks ago. Yeah, it really was disappointing. I mean, Hugh say that. I just the thing of it is, is it's all bullshit. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and say it from this perspective. Okay, first of all. This idea that every locker room in the NFL 
is a bunch of dudes holding hands and singing Kumbaya every day. It's <laughs> yes. horse shit. Yes. It's fucking horse shit. <laughs> this idea that there are never any internal conflicts in those locker rooms that have to do with things going on in the world is bullshit. Yeah. So this, you know, they try to make it seem like the locker room is not the real world. Yeah. And it couldn't be further from the fucking truth. Yeah. People have plenty of disagreements in the locker room. Sometimes about dumb shit. Sometimes about very serious things. Yeah. And so, you know, it's funny that uh, we always talk about not reducing professional athletes to what they do. You know, making it seem like they're, they're unintelligent and, and can't process what's going on. But that's exactly what's going on here. You know, they're, they're, they're putting out this false sense that, but for protest, you know, every guy in this locker room would get along. And it's the most absurd thing in the world. First of all, half the dudes in there are fighting with the other half to start. Yeah. So they're they're building attention that way anyway. Yeah. Second of all, it it ain't a whole lot of, of, uh, uh, you know, situation where the whole team hangs out together. Yeah. Unless they're made to. You know, just like in life, just like whoever's listening to this, it's your job. Some guys hang out with these guys. Some guys hang out with that guy. And just about on every team, there's one guy that don't nobody hang out with because he's an asshole. <laughs> just like in your job. Yep. So let's dispense with this. I play with John Lynch. Okay? <laughs> so, you know, I know he knows better. I know he we was in the same locker room, hearing the same conversation, seeing the same argument. Yeah. So I know he knows better. He ain't the only one. But see, they put that bullshit out there so people will, fans will buy into it and be like, oh man, they're just, you know, a bunch of guys having a swell time. Except for, you know, if a guy comes in there and protests, he's going to mess all of that up. Yeah. Dude, listen, I ain't going to go real deep into this, but you had owners openly supporting Donald Trump. Yeah. Yeah. Head coaches going to fucking rallies and being on the stage with Donald Trump. So don't give me this bullshit about a fucking distraction. When that shit happens and nobody says anything about it. Everything is fine with that. One of the fucking NFL owners just got an ambassadorship. So don't tell me about fucking distractions. You don't think any players in those locker rooms feel some kind of way about that kind of shit? Knowing that they they play for somebody who endorses the kind of things that just happened over the weekend with Charlottesville? Yeah. Okay, so, again, you know how I am. I just want us to be honest about the shit. Okay? I want us to be honest. I want us to have honest conversations. Do not bullshit these fans thinking that everything is all good up until somebody like Colin Kaepernick comes in there and speaks out about the things he sees going on in his communities that he's concerned about. Because, again, once again, here's what I come back to. For years, the NFL has promoted this idea, you know, that guys are role models. And so they, you know, have the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award Mm -hmm. for guys who go out in their communities and do good things. But I guarantee you, if Colin Kaepernick had never knelt, but he still did all the things he did off the field, they would be promoting him 
as one of these Walter Payton Man of the Year type guys. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to tell me all of the good that he does off the field negates a protest that he's trying to use to get people to pay attention to the stuff black and brown people have to go through when it comes to encounters with police officers, the people that we empower to walk around and carry a gun in these in this country whose you know salaries we pay by paying taxes. How many times have we heard fans complain about you know something an athlete does and what they say? We pay your salary. Yeah. So you get to yell at the fucking player because you quote unquote pay his salary. But this man's trying to protest police brutality and we definitely pay their salary. And you got a problem with it. Yeah. I'm just sick and tired of this shit, man. Because I went back and looked. Not one of these people, and that includes my old teammate, Jordan Lynch, when asked about this situation, who put forth this bullshit notion about, you know, everybody sitting around seeing Kumbaya in the locker room, not a one of them actually addressed directly what it was that Colin Kaepernick protest. Not one of them said, oh, well, yeah, we definitely are against police brutality, too. We just feel like, you know, there's a different way to go about it. Every single one of them avoided even bringing up the subject. And that is what's irritating about this. And also yeah. what is the tale. Because if they were serious, if they were serious about actually being concerned about what he's concerned with, and they just didn't like his form of protest, then they would be outspoken and saying some of the things that he's saying just in a different way. Yeah. I get this journalist come out against police brutality. Yeah, I haven't seen them do a press release for that or get out and do a, 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 a press conference denouncing police brutality. I haven't seen Hugh Jackson do that, who just was disappointing as hell with his comment. Basically made it seem like players are robots and they don't get to comment on the fucking society they live in. Yeah. They don't get to comment on things going in in the neighborhoods that they grew up in. Yeah. But guess what? You'll do, you know, some kind of media segment on them coming up out of the hood and overcoming obstacles. Yeah. When they talk about want to do things that's gonna benefit the same people they left back in their old neighborhood, now you got a problem with. It. Yeah. But you won't even say what it is. Yeah. You won't even say what it is this man was protesting. And that other NFL football players are continuing to protest and some are starting to protest. Like uh, Michael Bennett. Yeah. So, you know, if you got a problem with it, why don't you address these guys that still protesting too? Yeah. Because, again, I, I haven't heard any of these. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll have to look a bit harder. I haven't seen any of these owners or GMs or head coaches that, you know, put forth this, this notion that everybody gets along in the locker room. I haven't seen one of them come out and really strongly denounce police brutality, which is what the protests are about in the first day of play. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, too, because now I, like, Lynch had walked back his words today after the, and it was specifically cited um, with the Jenkins and Chris Long in Philadelphia last night. Obviously, Chris Long stood up with Malcolm Jenkins, didn't, you know, Malcolm Jenkins raised his fist during the anthem, Chris Long didn't, but he put his arm around Malcolm Jenkins. Um, and has, and Long has spoken on that uh, because he's from Charlottesville. He lives in Charlottesville, went to school at UVA. 
has, you know, the incidents. They, I mean, he spoke up about it yesterday and he spoke up about it over the weekend when that shit started happening there. And, and, and it, it was interesting to see, almost like Michael Bennett said the other day, it was like, you know, you need a white, when a white player comes out and starts talking about this stuff, we'll see what happens. And sure enough, Long did that. And now Lynch is changing, walking back his comments a little bit today. I'm trying to find it. I haven't found it yet, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, that's fine. And, and look, they absolutely should, because again, I just saw someone share on Facebook a uh, article about a white person that had been uh, beaten upside the head in a case of mistaken identity. Yeah, he was at his house, and they, you know, thought he was. Uh, you know, somebody were looking for, and, and you know, he's all bloodied and everything. This is not really just a brown and black issue. The reason why we protest so much about it is because it disproportionately happens yeah. to us, but it doesn't just happen to us. And even if it did, we're human beings. You know, the same people that tell me to be colorblind and that we're just <laughs> all human beings, yeah. beings and all lives matter. Well, shit, if that's the case, why aren't you more outraged when you see somebody that looks like me getting brutalized by a police officer? Yeah. I mean, we just had a, a, a situation where we found out two cops were, uh, 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 they were, they weren't vindicated, but they weren't found to have done anything wrong when, when you know, there's video of them sexually assaulting a suspect who, guess what? The, all charges were dropped against. I mean, and, and so, yeah, why would you not be outraged about seeing that no matter what color the person is that is happening to? Yeah. So, again, look, it's great that Chris Long did that. And, and look, he's been good on this for a while. He's yeah. been talking about these issues for a while. And he's been, you know, he's said things in support of Colin uh, Kaepernick as well. I remember he made a comment after uh, Michael Vick made, made those comments about uh, Colin needing to cut his hair. And, uh-huh. and I think uh, Long was like, "Man, I got a dirty mullet, and nobody ever messed with me." <laughs> you know, so so he's he, been kind of, you know, been talking this stuff up. He isn't a guy who just all of a sudden last weekend found religion, right? And I give him props for that. But like, but like, you know, Michael Bennett was kind of alluding to. He wasn't just saying this necessarily, you know, all white players, which it would be great if that happened. But he's talking specifically about, like, where's the white quarterback? Yeah. Are you really trying to tell me there's no white quarterback? Not a single one that looks at some of these videos of people being brutalized by police and doesn't think that something should be done. Yeah. Right? So, uh, you know, it would be helpful. Again, you don't have to say you endorse this protest, but if you if if it's just a matter of his mode of protest, because we as, you know, minorities hear this so much, however we tend to protest, People tend to not like it, which is sort of the point of protest in the first place. Yeah. But if it's just about the mode of protest, why aren't more people of all colors speaking out on this issue? Because it is a human issue. It's not really a minority issue, even though that's the way it's being you know, presented. Yeah. So uh, it, it's again, I love that, that Chris Long did that. If somehow they changed lets his mind about something, that's great. But I just don't understand why it would take that. Yeah. Why wouldn't you as John Lynch, as a former player, 
Why wouldn't you have visions of being the person who put your arm around a player who was protesting? Mm-hmm. You didn't have to. Long did not join the protest. He did not put his fist up, too. He just put his arm around Malcolm Jenkins to let him know, regardless, he has his back. Yeah. So that's what disappointed me because I did play with John Lynch for six years. Yeah. And I would hope that if one, if I decided to protest, he would have had my back too. Yeah. But I, you know, I don't really know anymore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't really know. Well, you know, you know, one thing you really don't hear much anymore is is you. Nobody seems to want to go back and point out again where and I and I know this because I <clears throat> came across it at least three or four times prominently because we put together the Colin Kaepernick timeline that we published Monday at least three or four times prominently, probably more if you really went back and went through the weekly transcripts from, you know, 49ers practice and stuff like that. But where Chip Kelly said, this has not been an issue in the locker room. Colin Kaepernick has not, his decision to protest, his decision to take an E during the National Anthem has not caused any problems in our locker room and with our players. And he was very clear about that. Multiple times on multiple occasions. But we still, like, here you still see, like, you know, like the Lynch comments or other people, divisive. You know what I mean? You, well, you're kind of ignoring facts a little bit here. Right. And and look, if if Michael, uh, uh, Michael Bennett put it really nicely, he said something to the extent of if pushing for equal rights is divisive and makes you uncomfortable, then that's a good thing. Because yeah. we, you know, you, if you don't feel like people should be treated equally, you should be made to feel fucking uncomfortable. Yeah. Why should we, for the sake of, you know, quiet, which is not the same thing as peace, for the sake of quiet, not address the fact that somebody in your locker room doesn't think that every person should have equal rights. Yeah. Or be, be treated equally under the law. So, it, you know, when you want to talk about divisive, okay, you know, divisive is, you know, a player sleeps with another player's wife. Yeah. That's divisive. <laughs> and we've known that that shit has happened before in the history of the league. Yeah. Okay. You know, the, <laughs> divisive is, you know, some guys getting treated differently than others in the locker room. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we know that a, happens too. And there's an awfully big story this summer about a locker room where that was the case too. Listen, so I'm just saying that there's a lot of things that's divisive that is, would understandably concern a coach. But if you're worried about divisiveness because some people in the locker room are protesting police brutality, Maybe the people who you should worry about being divisive are the ones who are against, against the protests in the first place. Yeah. Maybe you should be looking at them funny, wondering what their problem is. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. If, in fact, it's all about the fact, you know, that this is supposed to be divisive. Because, look, there's a bunch of divisive stuff in the world. Okay? Look, <laughs> you don't want to be on the wrong side of whether or not peas belong in, you know, potato salad, right? <laughs> you don't want to be on the wrong side of that debate. And that's divisive, too. 
it's okay to be divisive, but what side are you on? Yeah. Are you on the side of the people who say, hey, I would like to, you know, get pulled over for not, you know, using my blinker and not get fucking killed? Yeah. Or are you on the side of people that just don't want to talk about that at all? Yeah. You got to choose. Yeah. I think that's really the thing that's bothering so many people is they don't want to have to publicly come out and choose. And that is fucking sad. No, and you know, and, and, and general managers and owners especially, like, they can wall themselves off from all this. I mean, and it's not just, you know, obviously the super millionaires that own football teams, but like, I mean, you see this, you know, as someone whose family worked in public education, you know, all their life, you see this with, with that too. It's like, it's real easy to wall yourself off and live in the gated community and be around people exactly like you are and not have to deal with anything and, 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 and not understand, you know, like, well, we're, the cops are fine here in, in the, the gated pines nook that we live in. It's a, uh, and then it, it just, that, that disparity that you have as a society now too, it's just like how people are so, I mean, it's, you know, there's sort of another pretty significant wave of segregation going on again. That's not a legal, you know, segregation. It's sort of a de facto real estate segregation and things like that. Oh shit! Some of it's still illegal too. There's well, still yeah, red no, there's going that on. too, man. <laughs> and they're they're just getting a little bit more creative about how they go yeah. about it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, you still have those situations where you know um, people of color of comparable uh, uh, credit worthiness are getting shuffled to you know neighborhoods that they could more than afford instead of the neighborhoods they could actually afford. Yeah. So even to this day, you know, we have to deal with that shit. And, and that, that was pretty much, it was pretty much legal to do at one point. Yeah. And that was the way, you know, they kept even uh, cities in the north, which is so supposedly so much better than, you know, the Jim Crow South. Yeah. That was the way they kept those areas segregated. And now uh, we, we have uh, uh, school segregation coming back too. Yep. In various forms. And so, you know, we we uh we don't you know, we don't see each other as much anymore with 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 that kind of you know uh, uh residential segregation. Mm-hmm. Uh our kids aren't going to the same schools with, with the way you know we're we're desegregating schools de facto, you know. And, and and so you know it's causing everybody to be more closed off than than we have been in a long time. And that's kind of, to me, the way this stuff starts to fester up again. Because it's easier to convince people that they don't have anything in common if you keep them separated. Yep. It's much harder to deny somebody's humanity if you see them every day. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Man, I, I can't get I can't get started on the school, so I go off on that for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> I uh, I see just that so much of that having been around, you know, education for so long, and it's just like that—that's the most heartbreaking part of all that for me on the personal level. But it's a it's a tough one. I, I don't know. It's too bad. I mean, it's just it's ultimately it's a shame to me as a fan. You know, like you hear the the Ravens owner wanted to talk to fans before he signed Colin Kaepernick. It's like what the you know, what are fans gonna say when they're paying? 
$500 to come to a game and watch Ryan Mallett throw three interceptions against the Steelers. I mean, come on. At some point, the controversy you incur when you sign Colin Kaepernick for a week and you get angry internet people, you know, talking about it, and the ongoing festering fan, all fans, I mean, you want to unite fans real fast, you know, run that shitty product out there week to week and charge people $500 to come and watch the game or more. And uh, people get sick of that real, real fast. That's just the, the, the naked, you know, the, uh, you know, that the, it's hard to, to hear anyone say that these teams will do anything to win and then say that they're not going to sign Colin Kaepernick because they're fine with Ryan Mallett or whoever. You know? I mean, the question is, what could he possibly do to win that segment of the fan base over, which doesn't want the team to sign? Him? Yeah. Look, look, we know, okay, the polling tells us that over 60% of, you know, people in one part in this country agree with the things that Trump said after, after Charlottesville. Yeah. Now, however you feel about that, those people are not very as we say, persuadable. Yeah. So what is it that Colin Kaepernick could possibly do to warrant the team signing up? Look, he's already said he's not protesting this year. Other guys are. And I haven't really seen any, any, that's the weird thing. I haven't seen any campaigns in Philadelphia for them to cut Malcolm Jenkins. No. Have you? I haven't seen anybody protesting outside of uh, Seattle Stadium or their facility wanting them to cut Michael Bennett. Yeah. Right? Haven't seen a big uproar uh, with the fans in Oakland about Marshawn Lynch. No. So if your point is that he's divisive and you don't want him on your team, then explain to me if, if it's so much about fan support or fans boycotting. Yeah. One, Explain to me what he could possibly do to win you over because he already said he's not doing the protest again this year. Yeah. Or is this, this just some kind of lifetime, you know, ban he should suffer for going through one season of kneeling quietly by himself? Or, you know, I think Eric Reed joined him after a while. Yeah. To protest before the beginning of the game. Yeah. Is that that's supposed to be a lifetime ban no matter what he does? I mean, would he have to come and, and bend the knee, I guess, to get your approval? Because those people are fucking ridiculous. Yeah. And number two, if, 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 if people are so worried about, why aren't there protests in all these other places where guys are still protesting? Yeah. Well, why, why aren't there people calling, you know, you're so worried. Where, where are the Philly fans who are canceling their season tickets? Yeah. Over Malcolm Jenkins. Where, where, where are the, the, the fans in Seattle that, that are burning their jerseys over Michael Bennett? Yeah. Because I haven't seen it. And if that segment of your fan base is just loud, but they aren't very big, then it begs the fucking question why you would ever care about them in the first place. Yeah. It's a, it's a good question. And, you know... Here we are. 
Um, Steven, let's take a quick break and uh, do the little advertising thing that we that we do with us. We're it's big time podcast now. We we got an advertiser. We got a sponsor. So let's take a break and uh, we will uh, we'll give our sponsor a shout out. Hi, friends. I want to tell you about the Dollar Shave Club and why it's the smarter choice for the uh, shaving person in your family or persons even. Um, It's a great shave at a great price. It's convenient, delivered right to your door. It's a no-brainer choice. Um, Like I say, the razors are great. Uh, They they give you a really good shave. I use the executive razor myself, which has got the uh, four blades on it. Um, I really can't recommend it enough. Um, I don't shave every day, but I shave... Every couple days, and I find that the razors last, the cartridges last about a week, and, uh, you know, you sign up for four of those things, and it lasts you a month, and it's a really good deal, and you can get an extra good deal on it right now. Um, For a limited time, uh, you will get your first month of the executive razor and a tube of Dr. Carver's shave butter, a really good, really quality shaving cream that comes with it. Only $5 with free shipping. Um, and after that, you can get whatever razors you need for just just a few bucks a month. Um, anyway, go to dollarshaveclub.com slash onsidekick, and you'll get this uh, very special offer. And uh, you can tell them that your friends at the Family Hour sent you over for, for a good shave. Okay, we're back. Uh, sponsor obligation satisfied, and uh, we have returned to talk some more football. And because uh, in the NFL anymore, you can't ever just talk about football by itself. There's always something else on top of it. Um, we, this week we had the Ezekiel Elliott suspension come down, the six-game suspension for Elliott. And um, the fallout from that, uh, it sounds like Jerry Jones is a little pissed off about, uh, about this going down. And uh, it sounds like we're headed for a uh, deflate gate and Ray Rice uh, length of a ongoing um, legal battle here. Well, I don't know about that because I'm not sure that uh, what kind of legal recourse uh, Ezekiel Elliott would have, you know, if the, if the suspension is upheld mm-hmm. Um because, you know, they've kind of already been to court and the court already said that uh, in the last CBA, they left discipline up yeah. to the commissioner. Yeah. And, and that's really the crux of the problem here. Because they can't seem to get right. Okay. Um, this is not about Ezekiel Elliott per se, because, look, I don't know what he did or didn't do. Yeah. I know the things that have come out publicly. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what kind of information the NFL has, what they've uncovered that maybe law enforcement hasn't. And that is part of the problem. Because now, you know, you got the Keystone cops in the NFL running all these investigations, and they always seem to find a way to fuck it up. Yeah. Okay, you had the Ray Rice situation, right? And you let that ride until the video comes out. And then you react instead of being proactive. Mm-hmm. You know, the stuff with Greg Hardy. Then you have the stuff with the kicker, which supposedly Josh had already been Josh Brown with the Giants. The stuff is, has supposedly already been investigated by the NFL. 
and then they don't follow their own uh, 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 parameters, and instead of giving him a six-game suspension, which supposedly, you know, domestic violence warrants in this new policy that you know people been spitballing. Yeah, you give him two games. Then all of a sudden, more information comes out publicly, and everybody's clamoring. Why did you do this? Why why were you so lenient on them? Then they demanded that the Giants cut them, and, and eventually they do after supporting him initially. Yeah. So they, they keep fucking it up. Now we're in a situation where, you know, we have no way of knowing what the NFL knows, what led them to this after law enforcement declined to uh, uh, prosecute Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. And so as long as you have whether you agree or disagree with the notion that he abused the alleged victim, this is a kangaroo court. Yeah. This is a situation that doesn't seem to have any kind of consistency or fairness about it. A system that was set up pretty much without the NFLPA's uh, 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 input or participation. Yeah. And it, it has all the appearances of them just making up shit as they go along. Yeah. And so, you know, you know there's been talk in recent days, the NFL, PA, and uh, their head, D. Smith, has come out and said, you know, a few times now that a work stoppage in 2021 is a virtual certainty. Yeah. And it's because of stuff like this, because they have to figure out this discipline situation. Yeah. Every fan should be concerned about it too. Because every, you know, it's always funny when it's happening to the other team, but it's never funny when it happens to yours. Yeah. You know, people who were laughing at the Patriots, Cowboys fans that were, you know, making fun of Tom Brady, now are all up and on. Mm -hmm. So, you know, don't wait for it to be your team. Understand that this is. This is a system that is just ridiculous. And the NFL, it, what's going on so far basically is Goodell, you know, with the arrogance he always seems to have, has decided that he can do whatever the fuck he wants to. And the, because the players gave him the power of discipline in the last CBA, yeah. there's nothing they can do about it. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, I'm not sure what, what recourse Ezekiel Elliott has. And again, look... It, <laughs> If you're Ezekiel Elliott and they decline to prosecute you, but the statute of limitations is up, you might have to be worried about some kind of evidence that the NFL uncovered if you go after them in court that's yeah. going to come out. And now you're worried about them and their suspension, and you're worried about actually ending up getting charged. Yeah. So it's such a tightrope, man. I, <laughs> this is why they need to fix this. Mm-hmm. Because the system is obviously broken, and I don't think any player feels comfortable knowing that you know Roger Goodell can basically decide their fate based on on rumors or accusations. Yeah, and it's a pretty murky situation. Like we've been going through, uh, our writers have been <clears throat> Gina's been working 
a lot on the Ezekiel Elliott stuff and getting the court docs and going through all that and talking to some of the investigators, you know, in Ohio and with the league and stuff too. And just like, it's, it's a really murky situation. Like it's, it's, um, it's not, I mean, in, in domestic violence is, um, you know, it's, it's, is never sort of a, a, a black and white crime anyway. There's, you know, there's the, the personal relationships involved and in, in that sort of thing. There's much more to it, but, you know, this is one where I don't know. It, it's a tough situation, and they the way that they've handled it, and the way that they put these, you know, the prosecutor's version in Ohio and the league's version that they've leaked out of there has all made it sort of an ugly situation. Where you know, like that, you know, the, the names are out there now, and fans are you know upset about it. And it's just like, I mean, it sounds like what's going to happen is he'll do his appeal, and the league wants to start with six games with the intention that they'll work backwards in the appeal process to four or whatever. But it's just like, again, it's just, it's, you know, taking the incident incidents itself out of it. It's just that it's like you say, you get back to this. The league has all the power for personal conduct discipline and no practicable standard to apply it or enforce it from case to case. And it just, it's setting up, Setting up, uh, I suspect it's going to be a big chunk of the next uh, CBA discussion that we get in 2021. So, I mean, um, it's got to be. It has to be. <laughs> I mean, if you're a player, I mean, if you're a player and your career's on the line, you've got to. I mean, you know, you you've got to consider that. I mean, it's a big deal. You know, that's what they the Tom Brady thing last year. Four games is uh for a player 39 years old those you know could very well be four of his last games of his career if you take him out of the mix like that but yeah we'll see uh it'll be uh 2021 is going to be an interesting year probably for a lot of reasons um hey one thing i wanted to get to because it happened of course big news always happens after we record our podcast. I can't wait to see what will happen today on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> Every single time. <laughs> well, last Friday we had, like, two pretty significant trades in the NFL. And, like, you know, there's right. not usually – you know, one trade in August with a big-name player is kind of a big deal. But we got two on the same day and uh, two involving the same team. So the Bills send Sammy Watkins to L.A. for a second-round pick and uh, – a you know, a decent enough starting cornerback in EJ Gaines. And then they sent, uh, they traded uh, a good starting cornerback from Buffalo, Ronald Darby, to the Eagles in exchange for Jordan Matthews, the wide receiver. Uh, thoughts on the trade, Stephen? Trades, uh, plural. Well, uh, the quarterback that the Eagles traded for had like an interception last night, so. Uh, he, he's making his presence known right away. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I really don't understand necessarily the trade uh, from Buffalo's standpoint, trading away Sammy Watkins. Um, but that, that leads into another discussion about trade value before you actually uh, 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 draft somebody yeah. and then after you draft them. Uh, but, 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 you know, I think for Sammy Watkins, um, one of the things that'll be good for him is he'll be out of that cold weather. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, he's going to be in, in St. Louis. You know, Sammy is a guy who can can really shake up a defensive back with his route run. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. you know, and he's very good as far as his cuts. But it's hard to cut, you know, later in the season in those cold weather climates. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody's yeah. slipping around. Hell, you know, shit, they, they were slipping around a preseason game the other day. But I think he's going to be so much more effective uh, playing – you know, you know, basically more so on the western coast or whatever. Yeah. Uh, with the Rams in good weather or, you know, sometimes in a dome or what have you. And I think that, you know, if Jared Goff somehow <laughs> you know, makes a big step forward, uh, he, he should, you know, Sam is going to be open. Yeah. So it's just a matter of getting him the football. He's got to stay healthy. That's really been his problem. But, you know, I would have thought that, that Buffalo would have kind of stood beside him this last year is going to be his make-or-break year anyway. Yeah. And he looked fantastic in the first preseason game. They fed him the football, like the whole first drive, and, and now you got to wonder if they weren't showcasing him just to kind of drive up his trade. Back. Yeah. Uh, but he looked good, man. And so I, I think that, that, you know, that's a good place for him. Um, the thing about uh, Jordan Matthews uh, is this. I think he's a pretty good wide receiver, as far as the guy who can move the sticks for you, mm-hmm. not a big time speed guy or a big time, you know, big play guy, but but you know can catch in traffic, uh, runs good routes, that kind of thing. But when you think about Tyrod Taylor, what is he? What is he best at? Right? Mm-hmm. He he he's he he's he's mobile and and he can make the short throws. He has good touch and all that. But where he's outstanding is with the deeper throws. Yeah. Right. He he he's a guy, man. He makes some some deep ball throws that are so on the money. It, it's almost unbelievable. Yeah, like you just can't believe he drops it in the bucket like that. Well, that kind of arm talent is wasted on a guy like Jordan Matthews because he's not going to be running a lot of those deep routes, or, or he's not going to be getting open on them at least. Yeah. So uh, I, I kind of feel like you know unless they're going to move on from. From Tyrod, which you know, evidently the head coach is saying some crazy shit this morning about trying that. Which you know, good luck to you if you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but unless they're planning on move on from Tyrod, why would you give up a guy who could get down the field in a hurry and was a viable deep threat to to get a guy like Jordan Matthews? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe it'll work out, but it remains to be seen. Yeah, I, I guess that was my, you know, my takeaway with that is like I get Buffalo, you know, the draft picks, and maybe because they have a new coaching staff and a new general manager, maybe like they just feel like, you know, like a lot of new staffs do when they come in and take over a team that they're gonna make, remake it with their guys, their quarterback, that kind of stuff. But it just seems like, and you know, they never picked up Watkins' fifth-year option, and just like those are a, a player like Watkins is hard to get. I mean. Obviously, you know, quarterback's the one that's the hardest to get in the NFL, but like it seems like a number one, a true number one wide receiver is is a tough, tough kind of guy to find year in and year out in the draft. And sometimes you draft those guys that are supposedly the sure things and they don't turn into the sure things, you know? I mean it's it's just one of those positions. So it's interesting to see a team that just didn't seem after especially after how much they traded to get Watkins in the first place. Right. And and that's what I was kind of alluding to earlier. Uh because look, I, I thought they they uh basically gave up too much to move up and draft him in the first round. Yeah. 
Um, you know, I just didn't think at the time they had EJ Manuel at quarterback, and it was like putting you know tips on a bull. <laughs> you got this dynamic wide receiver without having a quarterback that that could give him the football. And you know, it, it seemed like they were going to be with uh, stuck kind of stuff with EJ Manuel for a couple of years because they had taken him in the first round. Yeah. So um, I didn't understand it from that point. But once you make the pick, man, to me, you need to try to see that through. Yeah. You done gave up so much to get this guy. You don't have a chance in the world to be successful. And Sammy Watkins have been successful. That's mm-hmm. all I don't understand. You know, he just had he had some injuries. Yes. When he was out there playing, man, the dude was balling. Yeah. And obviously, you know, from the first preseason game, he's in tip top shape right now. So I just unless they have some kind of crystal ball or know something about his injury that we don't. Uh I I don't understand the rush. To get rid of him, and really, and this is another thing that kind of hit uh, uh, after our podcast. I, it, it's the same reason why, even though I didn't like, and I guess that's probably putting it mildly, when, when the Bucks traded up to take uh, Roberto Aguayo <laughs> in the second round last year, I don't quite understand why you would cut that guy before his second training camp is even over. Yeah. Uh, you know, you cut him, which seems like a knee-jerk move because he missed the extra point and he missed the field goal in the first preseason game. Yeah. He turned around and last night, uh, the guy who replaced him, Nick Folk, guess what? He misses an extra point and misses a field goal too. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, the grass ain't always green. Look, it was dumb to, to trade up to take a kicker. Not, not. I don't give a shit which kicker. You know, it, it just happened to be Roberto Aguayo. Yeah. But it, it didn't matter. I said at the time, it didn't matter if he turned out to be a really good kicker. Mm-hmm. You just don't do that because of the position value. He doesn't play enough to, to be that much of an impact on a game. And, and you look at, you know, Seabass out in Oakland has been great. He's been about as good as they could have hoped yeah. when they took him in the first round. Right, he's been you know as good as advertised, making those long kicks, all of that shit, and they still haven't had any success because a kicker just simply cannot get you to the next level that way. No, and you gave up you know a couple other picks that could have helped rebuild your team. Yeah, but then you know you do go through with picking them, and you defend it at the time, and the guy struggles in his first year, yeah. and, and you just give up on them that fast. Yeah. I, mean, I, I just, you know, I struggle to think of very many uh, examples of second round picks at other positions not making it at least through their second, you know, training camp. Yeah. Hell, at least let them get to the final cuts. Yeah. You cut the scout for the first fucking preseason game after you did all that to get them. That to me is not something to be commended. That to me is not something, oh, well, at least they admitted their mistake. Yeah. That to me was knee jerk. And bullshit. Yeah. And it's going to come back to Hunter. Yep. And I bet you Aguayo goes, I think, Chicago. Chicago got him. I bet he ends up getting it together as kickers are prone to do and having a decent career. Yeah. And look, you gave all that to get him, and now you won't even see bear the fruits of that. Yeah. I just don't get it. Yeah. I just, yeah. It, it was That was a strange move. I mean, it was just, and then they get the week of hype around hard knocks for it, too. 
TV, TV, reality TV, man. It makes people do some crazy shit, I guess. That's about as good of an explanation as I can muster up for it. Oh, man, Steven, uh, we got a whole bunch more preseason games on tap for tonight, Friday, and Saturday, and Sunday. Man, I, they, the way they draw out the preseason, it's just the worst. And maybe that's just like, yeah. that's sort of an insider industry bias because obviously that shapes the way we deal with it in our business. But like, at the same time, it's like, man, that's an awful lot of fucking preseason football you're putting out there over the course of a week four or five days of it in some cases but yeah you know we'll we'll uh, we'll see what what fruits it bears yeah i mean listen as, if, as a fan you like it because it's like football every day yeah but for us it's like damn football every day <laughs> <laughs> can we just get it over with with a couple days a week basically all at once <laughs> So, you know, you got different times. You got to wait to, you know, for the film to get up and all that stuff. So, uh, well, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's like you said, it's different when, when you actually have yeah. to work yeah. on this kind of stuff rather than just sit back and enjoy it. I, ever since I've started doing this job, my kid, who's eight now, like is still just like can't believe that there's not football games on in the regular season every night. It's like, oh, I just, it seems like it was – Seems like there's football every day. I can't believe that there's not to, uh, on a Wednesday night. Like, yeah, I know. It's hard to believe. <laughs> oh, well, it's uh you can at least you can binge out on it. It doesn't uh I don't know if there's any new shows out to binge on. I was kind of looking forward to the Defenders, but I think I might have to quit reading reviews for it and just watch it judge myself. But uh in I I think that's a similar way you should approach preseason football. Watch it, judge for yourself. Oh, with that, Stephen, uh, let's pick up again next week and, and talk some more football, shall we? Sounds good to me.